Hello and welcome to another edition of the Casual and the Diehards, the NBA podcast here on the End Zone Podcast feed. Uh, joining me today, two great friends of the program, Ethan Pierce, per usual, and uh, back on the show, Audrey Nations, after a, a brief a brief hiatus, uh, the queen of, of uh, NBA basketball in the Northwest uh, has, has, has returned to join us. Uh, no Aramis today out doing good things with his life uh, while we all just sit here and talk about the NBA for a little bit. Uh, second show of this month, first show was earlier in the month, right before the trade deadline. A few things we're going to cover today. The trade deadline itself, we'll talk about uh, some of the bigger stories going on in the NBA right now. We are kind of in the, I don't know, you two are, are more well accustomed to this, but it does feel like we're in the dog days here. Like this is this is very much like it's just a grind right now to get to the stretch run, which will start in about a month. Um, so, it, or, or I guess two two weeks, more, more like. Uh, so this will be kind of our uh, last episode before that. I figured uh, we'll we'll meet up uh, sometime after March Madness, and then we'll start doing these with more regularity as we get towards playoff season. Also, and we this might be totally talking out of my ass, but I had AI generate me a uh, a podcast logo for uh, March Madness, and uh, I think maybe in like. A week and a half, maybe me and Ethan will sit down and just bullshit about some college basketball stuff and uh, talk about the tournaments coming up and stuff like that because I just have an addiction to podcasting and uh, Ethan is a good friend and will sit here and do it with me. So uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, I, uh, I don't remember the name off the top of my head i did text it to ethan i texted you right that right ethan uh, yeah. the name of yes I, I think we're gonna call it such madness so <laughs> uh it's uh it's uh it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one uh and uh yeah i uh i'm excited for that but i'm done talking now because i talk too much uh, let's start with team check-ins. Uh, let's start with with Audrey because it's been a while since you've been on the program, Audrey. Let, let's start with the Spurs, and then I do want to get to the Suns too. Um, but yeah, today should be fun. We'll talk about the trade deadline. We'll talk about I want to determine the five to six teams that we believe should be the favorites to win the NBA title and what that requires. And uh, we'll we'll hit on some uh, other big news as well, including the Timberwolves, Doc Rivers, and uh, touching on the All-Star Game weekend, which uh, was widely panned as terrible on all fronts. And uh, the uh, Rookie of the Year chase, and then just some, we'll leave with some final thoughts on what we're watching over the next month here. And then, like I said, we'll we'll reconvene probably after the, in the second weekend of March Madness to take a look at the stretch run and then we're if you guys will commit to it i'm planning on doing one of these every week we have nba playoffs going on so it should be a lot of fun all right audrey how are you sorry i talked forever what a goddamn disaster hello uh, by, hello. by me 
Yeah. It's the San Antonio Spurs time. At 11 and 46, at the bottom of the Western Conference standings, I have never been more hopeful and more excited for a San Antonio Spurs team. Wemben, Victor Wembanyama gets better by the game, uh, by the by the week, by the month. He says all the right stuff. He's doing all the right stuff. It is unbelievable to watch him every single night. Um, it is, I mean, it, it, it's it's impossible to contain excitement about him. He's going to be so great. I think he's already really great. I think I was as frustrated as I was to see the Spurs not make any deals at the deadline uh, to get some help around him. I do need to remind myself that uh, in the offseason, we have quite a few uh, or quite a bit of salary cap, I should say, to to sign some folks in free agency that I really hope we can get on board. I think the Trey Young to San Antonio rumors are getting nice and steamy. So I'm just very excited for the future of this team. And I think Wemby's not only excellence on the court, but discipline and patience off the court has made it much easier to suffer through a pretty tough season, understanding what the future looks like if it all keeps going as it's going right now. So I'm very excited about the Spurs. Uh, peek behind the curtain, Ethan and I are about to go see Victor Wembanyama. We are we are uh, going to go check him out tonight, and uh, it won't surprise you. I uh, I have something against Victor Wembanyama. You know, he's just too tall of a bitch. Like he's just it's, he's too big. Uh, You're such a hater, Eric. He, he, yeah, he what? can't be that. He can't be that good at basketball. He's too Have tall. you tried not approaching the world with hatred in your heart? Have you tried that? <laughs> he's too tall. Also, he's like he's the most likable guy in in. He's like the most likable French guy in world history too. He's like the least French French guy. Come on, it's crazy. Like well, the, I, like he's a selfless, not arrogant, like kind, <laughs> chill dude. And you're like this French bastard. Like, come on. Yeah, well, I I reserve, you know. I reserve the right to change my mind immediately when he drops 30-plus on the Utah Jazz, which will probably get matched up with Taylor Hendricks. So that's going to be a fun night. Yeah, uh, it should be interesting to see what happens there. I so, think he might, uh, he might eat quite a bit, but we'll see. I mean, they're both so, – it's the battle of mid, so who knows. But I uh, I'm, uh, I may uh, – oh, well, I mean, the, we'll get to the Jazz in a little bit, but the Jazz are worse than mid right now. Um, But, yeah, I mean, he's – you know, he doesn't – you know, I'm a casual. I've watched the box scores. He's not dropping 30 every night. How good can he be? I mean, so let, let's 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 see it in person and you know, I'll I'll potentially change my mind. Ethan is well, looking at me as he, if he's I'm dropping a crazy five person. by fives, man. I I was watching the the highlights of the game versus the Lakers the other night when he did the five by five. The thing that impressed me the most was the passing, if I'm being honest. He had a lot of like these nice little bounce passes out to the corner, little shovels to guys inside. Um, for a guy that big, to to be able to pass the ball that way, his ceiling is the lead, man. He's going to be so good. It's just been such a long time that we've seen a prospect with this high of an approval rating among NBA fans. Like, everybody just agrees. Like, yeah, this dude had so much hype. Everybody compared him as, like, the best prospect since LeBron. And I think he's delivered on all of that hype and promise as much as you can reasonably expect so far in his career. Uh, like already, Completely he's, agree. He's getting better. He's getting better every night uh, doing new stuff. Yeah. It, no, it seems like for him, it's it's really only like, God forbid, it would be injuries would be the only thing that could derail yeah. this, like what's going on currently. But if he can keep the same pace and I, I really do. And that is another thing that I think NBA fans in general should be 
appreciative of the fact that he's on the Spurs because they have such a great track record of helping keep guys healthy and doing the discipline and the day-to-day of the workout and even things that are frustrating on the surface, like his minutes restriction uh, for half the year. Spurs fans, um, I can speak directly from experience, uh, really wanted him to be off that minutes restriction sooner than he was. And he and Victor wanted to be off the minutes restriction sooner than he was, but Pop just wouldn't let him. Um, And I think it's those kind of moments that ultimately are a really good thing for a guy who is going to be very injury prone as a seven foot four, highly mobile, you know, guy who's going to be trying to gain, trying to find that balance between gaining as much weight slash muscle as possible without putting on too much that it starts to fuck up his knees and feet. So I think it's, I think that's going to be a really good thing to to watch as we keep going. Hmm. Agreed. Uh, Ethan warriors. Nice little, nice little, Turnaround. They've been winning some games recently. They have been. Um, yeah, ten and two in the last twelve, I believe. Uh, got the Denver Nuggets tonight, so that should be a good one. Um, they're looking a lot better. It looks like they're, you know, a lot of that coincided with the return of Draymond Green from his suspension. Uh, been playing really well, anchoring their defense. They haven't played the five. Um, it really has brought the Andrew Wiggins and Domingo lineup together. Um, got them both playing at a more efficient pace. Wiggins, in particular, has been um, a lot better over his last few games. Um, was a disaster for the first half of the season, but has really started to look like the 2022 version of himself, which is going to be necessary for them if they want to make a run. Um, they've got Clay Thompson coming off the bench now, uh, just for the last two or three games. And um, looks like he's embraced that role and had a really nice game when they were here in Utah a few weeks ago, right before the All-Star break. Um, so, you know, found what looks like they found something that works there with their rotations, kind of getting them together. Um, impending return of Chris Paul from injury. He's missed uh, almost two months with uh, fractured hand, uh, but he's going to return next week at some point. So we'll see how the rotations look with him back in the lineup. Um, hopefully it doesn't take away too much from minutes from guys like Pajemski and Lester Quinones, who young guys who have been playing really well in their roles. Um, so we'll see what the Chris Paul rotations look like and, and how Steve Kerr is going to utilize him because um, if he's in there, they sometimes just look a little too small like they can't guard anybody. So I think there's nights where he should be closing and there's nights where he definitely should not be. So hopefully Kerr has the uh, the confidence and the, uh, the pull in the locker room to be able to make those tough decisions on who's going to start, who's going to close, who's going to play a lot of minutes. Um, that's my concern with this team. But yeah, they're trending in the right direction. Um, you know, still a long way to go in terms of seeing them as title contenders. Uh, the upside is still there when you have this veteran championship four on the team. But I just need to see a, a lot bigger sample size before I really start to get excited about this team. Uh, the last 12 games have been really nice, uh, but they still have a lot of ground to make up in the West. So we'll see what they can do over the next few weeks as we head into the stretch of the season. Maybe maybe put it flat. Uh, yeah, I I I think that is that's solid. That's solid on the Warriors' part. As I accidentally mute myself. Uh, the Jazz. Uh, very. I mean, uh, very bad. Uh, I guess trying to be bad. Uh, not fun to lose at home to the Charlotte Hornets. Would really not recommend that. Like, uh, not a good time. Uh, did not really enjoy myself. Went to the game. Uh, it was nice, but uh, not fun to watch 
a terrible domestic abuser rain threes in your eyes and dunk on you pretty much for a whole night. Uh, and also get just stunted on uh, really from start to finish. Not a fun time. Not what you're looking for in a night out with some friends. Uh, I will say it's encouraging that they're playing their young guys. Bryce Sensabaugh hasn't played a lot, but he's looked okay offensively in the games he has played. Keontae George is kind of not showing up on the stat sheet anymore, which is a little bit concerning. But the offense just does not move the ball. They they refuse to pass. Um, I think Jordan Clarkson's time in Utah is coming to a close, and he is just taking full advantage of the fact he has a green light pretty much every night. He steps on a basketball court. Um, not a fun time. Definitely not enjoying it. Uh, but I guess the, the point of this, Jazz Twitter tells me, is that if we suck bad enough, we get our top 10 pick. But uh, it seems like maybe we'll just suck bad enough to suck and then get, like, the 11th pick and still have, like, the 14th pick via some unknown team. So, uh yeah, I mean, definitely not fun, especially in a year where there's no one in the draft, basically. Um kinda kinda just a bad time. Uh John Collins don't don't really understand what he is as a basketball player. Like he fit in for about a month and then he found a way to fit himself back out. Uh Taylor Hendricks, nice flashes here and there, but kind of bad defending sometimes, which is not what you want to see from a, a winger that you draft to be a really good lockdown defender. Uh, NBA is still too fast for him. Definitely could have used more reps earlier in the season, but I guess, I guess he's getting them now. A um, lot of losing. Lot, lot of losing. Lo lot well, of and losing like, not to mention with your Hornets one, I, I'll repeat what I said on Twitter, but you had the double, the domestic abuse double whammy of having to walk past a statue of Carl Malone and then go watch Miles Bridges play basketball as a very sobering reminder of just how unseriously, not even unseriously, just how far the NBA is willing to go to protect and quash serious, serious, proven allegations of, of domestic abuse or sexual assault. Um, but that's somehow even more of a bummer than the Jazz's current season, so I will not do that. But I agree that it's it's a very tough position the Jazz are in where you've got uh, a, a variety of reasons for guys to not want to move the ball. Like you said, you've got very young, unproven rookies who are saying, okay, these might be the only NBA minutes I ever get in my entire life. I'm going to shoot the ball when I've got it. Uh, and then you've got guys like Jordan Clarkson or John Collins auditioning to be, uh, you know, to be on a contender next year saying, get me the hell out of here. Uh, and I think that just makes for a very poor uh, situation there. But I, as someone, I think y'all follow the jazz a lot closer than I do. What are you, your thoughts on uh, Will Hardy's his name, right? Your head, the head coach. What's the thought on, on his coaching? Do we think, He's got a good system is worth sticking around. Uh, I know it's kind of hard when it's again, it's just kind of like a bunch of random dudes, but I guess I don't know. Ethan, what do you think about him? Yeah, I actually think he's a really great coach. Um, he's, you know, only in his second season, but it's clear that he has a strong philosophy and a good feel for the game. He's one of those younger coaches that kind of, uh, you know, never played professionally in the NBA, kind of just comes in out of nowhere at like 35 years old and 
all of a sudden they know all these schemes and they know exactly how to relate to the players and they can get everybody playing well. Um, so I really like Will Hardy. I think he's he is the coach of the future for the Jazz. Um, it seems like he has really maximized guys like Larry Markkinen, um, Colin Sexton, even Jordan Clarkson is a name that you could throw in there, uh, of guys that he's gotten to play really well, uh, whether that's for the purpose of just bumping up their trade value or to keep them around as core future pieces of his team. Um, so, yeah, I, li- I like Will Hardy a lot. And, and, you know, to the overall point about the Jazz, this is the Danny Ainge special. They, they did the exact same thing last year uh, where, you know, they were pretty good, pretty competitive up until the trade deadline. Deadline hits, make a couple of moves, you know, trade away some guys, get some picks, whatever. And um, it is all about keeping that pick. It's top 10 protected. Uh, if they stay in the top 10, they have it. it, it you know, and they're right on the line of that right now. I think they're like the 11th worst record in the league, something like that. Uh, so they're going to have to get underneath that line and, and hope for the ping pong balls to bounce their way uh, in order to get that pick. Even in a weaker draft, you still would rather have the pick than not have it. So that's the Jazz goal. They know they're not making the playoffs. Um, and there, there's a lot of distance now between them and the 10th seed. It's like it's grown to like four or five games um, out of the play. So uh, that shit is probably so yeah, I, I don't think there's really any question that Will Hardy is uh, a good coach. I think he's proven it at, that, at this point with the fact that just if you look from the outside over the past two years, they've been like pretty consistently a like bottom seven NBA roster. Uh, like they, they don't like their best player has been Laurie Markkinen and, and on a championship team, Laurie Markkinen's maybe your second or third best player. So I, I, I feel like for what he has, it's good. I, I, you know, I've said it every time I've gone to these games, I I've said it every time I, I watch game, like, it's just going to be, it's going to be a lot of heartbreaking losses in like the final five minutes. Like that's that's what the the stretch run's gonna be. It's gonna be a lot of oh the Jazz fought tonight, like they're within ten and here they'll they'll lose in the final minutes. Whereas earlier in the season when they had more talent on the roster, they were winning those games. Now they're losing those games just because they, they don't have the depth or the horses to keep up. Um I don't know if you agree with that, Ethan, but I, I feel like that's that's where I'm at with the Jazz. Like I, I expect like even this game tonight, like I expect San Antonio to win, but it's going to be tight and they probably don't win by more than seven points. That's kind of where I'm at with the way I think the Jazz are playing right now. Well, I mean, maybe that's a, I don't know, maybe like what you're you're saying is is a good sign for a future Jazz team. I mean, if, if the, if the, if Hardy's able to, you know, take a what is a pretty, I think, a pretty objectively horrible roster, and I think overperform with them the last couple of seasons, at least in the first half, you know, maybe that bodes well for a future where one of these rookies develops or something, some confluence of events happens that the Jazz end up with a good team. Like maybe if they, you know, stick with Hardy and keep that system going for a couple of years, that might set them up really well to be to be good in in three or four years, which is nothing that any NBA fan really wants to hear, as they're not seeing games in three or four years. They're seeing them right now, and they suck right now. Um, but I don't, I don't necessarily think, uh, y'all have too bad of a chance against the Spurs because as I love to talk about the rest of this roster besides Wemby is for the most part, a bunch of really likable 
really good team guys who suck at the game of basketball so bad and it pisses me off so bad because I want to like them and I want them to be good. But like I love Jeremy Sohan. He's like one of my favorite personalities. Like he's super funny. He's a great locker room guy. He hustles. But holy shit, he just is incapable of making good decisions uh, with with the basketball or finding Victor Wembanyama in the paint. Um, so I don't know. I think you might you might be surprised by uh, the fact that the Spurs aren't quite as plugged in without Wemby. Um, and when he's off the court, uh, the the it, it's pretty it's a pretty dire situation out there is how I would put it for the Spurs. So I don't think y'all are too far back. No, and I mean that's why I think like. If a Jazz win, I won't be shocked. But, like, they they don't have a Victor Wembanyama. Like, Laurie Markkinen is just not that. Like, um, and he's slowed down quite a bit over the last few months. Um, he's not really on the pace that he was early. So, that finished military training, he's got him tired as hell, man. He, did yes. the whole, he spent the whole summer in the woods and camouflage doing whatever the hell they do in Finland, and now he's all tired. Yeah, so, he, like... I will say this, Will Hardy is, like, I, I feel like you were hinting at it a little bit. He's under zero job pressure whatsoever. Like, he was handpicked by Danny Ainge. Like, Danny Ainge, he's from the Brad Stevens coaching tree. Like, he is an unmistakably good coach, and he's going to be in Utah as long as they have Danny Ainge, basically. And I'm pretty sure ownership also loves him. So I would say he has the most job security of any head coach in the entire NBA. There's like no way I see him getting fired with him the next. He's got the ultimate years. job security that you could have in Utah, which is being a snappy young white guy with a nice short crop oh, haircut. He's such so. a generic white. It's he's unbelievable how Utah of a guy he is. Like I tell people really, that, like when we, I tell story that we watch jazz games. I'm like, if I had to like create like a he's like an archetype of like like the coach. average Utah man, it would like sum itself into Will Hardy. It's crazy, dude. He's yeah, he looks like a return Utah jazz coach. Yeah, he's exactly. Perfect Utah jazz coach. It looks like if you asked player. AI to make to make a Utah jazz head coach, it would come up with him. Yeah, um. The Suns, I'm watching them right now, taking care of the Lakers, but, I mean, everyone takes care of the Lakers these days. My thoughts on the Suns haven't changed, Audrey. Like, these guys can go out. We're, we'll talk about it, but to me, they're still a title favorite out of the West. Like, do they want to consistently play defense come April is, like, the biggest question for me because during the regular season, they certainly do not play a lot of it. I mean, yeah, it's, I don't know if it's about want necessarily, but ability. Um, and, and also I don't, it, it's gotten a lot better. Like the defensive schemes have gotten a lot better. I'll give Vogel credit. He's actually a lot better of a coach than I thought coming into the season. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's gluing itself together. The Suns have looked really promising. Like it, it looks, I mean, Six and four in their last 10 is, you know, like not not far off from right middle of the pack. But I mean, just Devin Booker is having a season. He is just really like you watch him play basketball and he is just in a rhythm. Like he looks like he looks like he just goes straight from one game to the next. Like he he starts the game like already like like he's already got 12 minutes. Like he's just hitting shots. He's in his rhythm. He's disciplined. Uh, so I think I mean, 
And and to what you were saying too about the Lakers, they're taking care of the Lakers. I don't really think anybody takes care of the Lakers. I think they're a really good team. And I think the West is just stacked, just absolutely stacked. Um, you know, and it's been so wonderful after all those years of just no parity in the league to have truly a, I mean, I mean, the difference between the first and the eighth seed right now is seven games. Um, the difference between the first and the fifth seed or the the fourth seed is two games. Like it is really, it is really anyone's game right now. I think the Suns have as good as odds as anybody to come out of the West. But at the same time, I mean, you can't discount the Timberwolves having an incredible season. You can't discount a young Oklahoma City Thunder team. I mean, we're we're past the all-star break. We're past the point where it's like, yeah, 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 they have a good record, but call me later. You know, it's it's almost March. And they these two teams at the top, I mean, the Clippers, everyone seems to be sleeping on for some reason. Like, there's a lot, lot, lot of teams that I am very worried about as a Suns fan coming out. I think what the Suns need to do, their win condition to get past those teams is to, A, like you said, tighten up the defense, uh, but more importantly, get some cohesion. They have made a ton of moves. They still made moves at the trade deadline. Like, the the bench rotations are still getting figured out. So I think as Frank Vogel takes in that playoff rotation and understands what that looks like, and assuming, again, the big three can stay healthy, which is always the biggest question mark with this team, um, I think they just need more time to keep gluing it together. But, I mean, as it stands right now, 33-24 and in a very competitive West, two and a half game buffer over the ninth seed Lakers uh, seven game buffer over being out of the play in altogether. So I think it's going to be a scrappy fight for whoever comes out of the West this year. But I think um, with how I, I think there, there's a great shot for a team from the West to win the title over like the field of the East is fielding. Uh, so I have a really good feeling about, about uh, the sun's chances this postseason. I mean, for me, it comes down to like, is Bradley Beal, gonna play basketball when we get to the playoffs like he's just missed so many games this year with like various injuries like dude's what like 31 32 and, and it seems like he's 37 like he, he's missing all these games um and they i just don't really think that's something they can afford with everything they gave up to get this team to get kd and bradley Beal to pair with Devin booker i mean the depth i think is like pretty good for reasonably you know what they could have gotten after they spent all their assets you know like getting a guy like Royce O'Neal in the door like that's good getting Yusuf Nurkic that's nice getting Grayson Allen those like these are good role players um but you know outside of that it's not a super deep roster um so they're just gonna have to to have their stars play and, and play well if they want to really make some noise in the playoffs because that's how this team is constructed um, so we'll just have to wait and see if they can Yeah, also, I mean, to me, the number one thing that has been, like, the, like, wow, holy shit, this is, like, the most impressive thing in the NBA to me recently has has been the fact that KD is, like, what, 34 at this point? He's had, like, major Achilles injuries and, like, He's still easily every night he steps on the floor a top five NBA player, like and consistently scores between like 27 and 45 points every single night. Like he is just a huge X factor. And I think there's a chance he gets to the playoffs and he just says, All right, fuck this. Like I'm tired of people telling me I rode stuff's coattails to one of those. 
titles like i'm just gonna fuck around and drop 40 every single night and go win a championship like that is a very distinct and real possibility with the suns and while they're not as complete as the teams i think we're going to talk about here in a second when we determine like the finals contenders like they're in that group for me simply because kevin durant and devin booker exist on the same team and could both easily average like 27 to 32 points a night in the playoffs. And that's probably going to get you wins no matter how bad the rest of your team plays defensively or offensively. So I I just feel like they they play good defenses all the time and they always answer. Like they've scored against Denver, like they've scored against Minnesota, like they're doing it against great defenses and like that's going to translate to the playoffs and offense Defense wins championships, but offense will certainly fucking get you there. So that's 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 where I'm at on uh, on the Suns. Any final thoughts on the Suns before we get to uh, what's next on this rundown here? Bull Bull's my goat. Bull Bull will save us. Bull Bull will drop thirty in the finals to carry us to glory. All hail Bull Bull. All hail Bull Bull. Uh, trade deadline, quite kind of quiet. Um. I'll just say two teams that I was I came out more confident in, and I, I don't know if it's translated for one of these, but the one it's translated for is the Knicks. I feel re- way more confident in the Knicks than I did a month ago. They made some really solid moves to just shore up depth. The team I'm not so sure about that got a lot of praise, the Mavericks. Like, I'm I'm just not... Not sure if that's all, all going to click together. But I feel like those were the two big movers and shakers of the deadline. And uh, everyone else kind of just stood pat. I mean, I think there's a good reason for it. If you look at the free agency field we have this year, it's it's going to be kind of bonkers. Um, names include, I mean, Tyrese Maxey, uh, Paul George, LeBron, uh, Pascal Siakam, uh, OG Ananubi, James Harden, DeMar DeRozan, Tobias Harris, Drew Holiday, uh, our favorite player, Miles Bridges. Like, there's a lot of guys that are going to be up on the table, and I think teams are just betting on wanting to spend those assets in the summer um, and feeling, I mean, and also you got to remember, too, in, in very, very recent history, teams make all these moves and and do all this, you know, get rid of all these assets to put guys on their teams, and guys will just ask out after after a year i mean that's that's been the case like the i mean think about the nets or yeah any of these other like teams where it's supposed to have come together or even like something like paul george's thunder teams like that stuff like these guys understand that like you can't give away assets for guys that might just ask out and they they want to take a chance on just signing them outright in free agency rather than trying to rent them for a year or half a year knowing that the way that the the salaries are structured right now and and the media structure right now, it's it's very easy for guys to ask out and get what they want, um, and so that's got to just be a consideration, I think, for for GMs and holding on to those those precious picks on the way uh, through the trade deadline. So you're telling me that James Harden will be a Utah Jazz member next year? I don't know about all of that. I think y'all got to get your uh, nightlife game up a little bit in Utah, but. Uh, I, I, there's also maybe some additional compounding factors, such as the Jazz are not a good basketball team, and James Harden is not good enough to make a bad basketball team a great basketball team anymore. Offer him the max, they'll come. He's a good case in the bag. That's true. 
Yeah, he'll uh, he'll just fly into Utah from L.A. every night for the games and then fly back out like every other Utah Jazz star has ever done. Yep. Yeah, trade deadline was boring. Not, it was not very boring. boring. I was really hoping the Spurs would do something. I was like, come on, come on, come on, come on. But I got to be patient because that's the name of the game is patience, baby. I guess the one thing that confused me, I guess, and this is related to the Jazz, didn't really understand what the Toronto Raptors did. Like, they just traded for a bunch of, like, role players, and, and like, they're just a team full of role players. They don't know how to tank up in Canada. They haven't, yeah. Masai hasn't quite figured it out. It's weird. I, I, the Olenek deal was really, really weird. I'm not really sure what the plan is. Yeah. Like, I at feel- all. Like, at all. Like, there's no, like, future with this roster, but it's also, like, not bad enough to, like, effectively tank. Like, I don't, I don't know what they're doing. Like, it's actually, like, genuinely it, baffling. It's kind of a similar, like, what they did last year when they traded for Portal, too. It's like, you guys should just be blowing this up. Why are you adding pieces? Yeah, like, exactly. Like, what what, what, what are we doing here? Like, and, who are you building they, around? Like, they half blew it up. Like, they traded Siakam away. You know, yeah. Kenobi, like, they did the right thing there. But, like, but then what? Then, then like, then what's, like, then what, like, then what? What know. are we doing? Like, it's, it's so it's, weird. I'm so glad you brought them up, because, like, what the hell are they doing? Like... <laughs> Scotty, they're hoping Scotty Barnes is like the truth, and they're gonna get. I mean, Scott Barnes has flashes and moments. I I really love watching him because he truly is like a really good basketball player, but also he's the goofiest, silliest dude of all time. And I just love that he does like he has the capacity to not take it seriously or like show you know like to to have fun with with stuff and just be goofy and silly. And I, it really is frustrating how uh, how much NBA Twitter and and other fandoms like (laughs) like to shit on him and make fun of him for being. I, I just a very nice, like, yeah. silly guy. Like, I really just appreciate that about him. So, shout out to you, Scotty Barnes. I know you're always listening to the pod. Uh, you're constantly asking me for autographs. So, you know, shout out <laughs> to you, man. Shout out, Scotty Barnes. Shout out, Scott Barnes. Um, I also like Emmanuel Quickly uh, that they traded for in the mix. Uh, he's been quietly playing very well. Um, RJ Barrett, you know, seems like he maybe fits a little better in Toronto than he did in New York. We'll kind of have to see how that all looks long term. Um, so they have something, they have foundation of something, but uh, very straight. The Sayujiri, he always thinks he's 10 steps ahead of everybody. Sometimes he is, but I, I guess we're part of what their master plan is. All right. I want to just very quickly check in, as we usually do on these, and just talk about the five teams that we think should be favorites to win a title and, and why. And I'll, I'll just kind of let us go around the horn here and we can each kind of throw throw out one and just talk about how they've been playing recently, what you're seeing. Again, these teams, I feel like, are the teams that it's hard to evaluate right now because they're all just super, super, super bored and uh, and just waiting for the, uh, for the playoffs to... Uh, Jump in. Ethan, I think the mic, mic sounds fine. Don't worry about it too much. Um, so, we'll start with you, Ethan. Title favorite. Who who jumps out right now? Like, here we are, February 25th. Like, if you had to place a wager right now uh, that paid even money no matter what, like, who, who are you betting to win the NBA title right now? Um, That's a tough question. It's, it's really weird because I think that there's valid reason to be skeptical on pretty much every team that has a good record. 
like you you look at the Western Conference at the top, it's like, okay, Minnesota, OKC, um, you know, both like teams that haven't really been there before. Obviously, they're very good in the regular season, but haven't taken their lumps in the playoffs. So how much can you really trust them? Um, you know, the Clippers, they're great. They have a lot of stars on their team, but also a lot of stars that are known for not showing up in the playoffs. And the Clippers as a franchise have struggled in the postseason. So who knows what we can really do there. Um, similar story with the Celtics in the East. I think that they're really good, but they've tended to kind of choke in big moments in recent years as well. Um, so if I'm picking a team that's going to win, I think I'm going to go with the Denver Nuggets. To repeat. Uh, seems like the most likely outcome for me at this point. Uh, we can trust them in the postseason. Jokic, best player in the world right now. Uh, you know, they're pretty much running back the same roster, minus, you know, given they've won their two role players, but they've replaced both guys with different places. So um, I think Denver would be my pick. I think it's one. Aubrey? You know, I don't know. You, you make a great point. Like with the Timberwolves and the and the Thunder, like we've had very recently, we've had lots of teams in this league that will do really well in the regular season and then just completely like pipsqueak out in the in the playoffs. I think the, the Timberwolves seem to have it glued together this year. But yeah, I don't really know what they look like in a seven game series, um, at least not seriously. I think at least as far as the East is concerned, I think the Celtics, I mean, it's the obvious choice. They're 45 and 12 eight games ahead of the second seeded Cavs. I I think this might be their their chance to do it, um, especially with Embiid out. It makes a slightly easier uh, Eastern Conference field to work through. I think the Bucks aren't as solid maybe as they as they have been in years past, at least uh, maybe from at least from a chemistry standpoint, more than anything else. Uh, I mean, it's yet to be determined how impactful Dame will be in the playoffs. But right now, Dame has had games where he is indispensable to this team and he's had games where he is a liability to this team. Um, and so it's really just about which one of those we're going to get in the playoffs from him. But I think this might be the year for the Celtics to do it. I mean, assuming everyone stays healthy. Uh, I mean, they've got obviously Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, but I mean, like Porzingis has been playing great minutes. Drew Holiday is, I think, an underrated addition to the team for his defense. So I think... I think they have a shot to do it. I think Joe Mazzula might just be insane enough to pull them over the line. So if you had to give me that wager and I had to pick anybody to to put it down the line, I think the safest money would be on the Celtics, and then second safest money would be on the Nuggets. Agreed that they could they could repeat just just if nothing else from incumbency bias. And they did it last year, and they clearly have what it takes. They didn't really lose any like really major pieces besides like Bruce Brown, um, and even if they got a bunch of random guys, which they do he's finding ways to make those random guys extremely impactful, which is something that I, I think mirrors a lot of what Tim Duncan used to do uh, in helping make guys who would maybe be uh, a lot less impactful or play a lot less minutes on other teams really, really good towards the end of his career. So I think that's that's a really valuable quality to have in a star player and something that could maybe extend their championship window longer than, uh, than, than people might think it, it could be extended. Michael Porter Jr. has also been playing unreal basketball for the last month uh he is he's put up some really good nights recently and uh if he can continue to develop and deliver that in the playoffs then it, it is really hard to see a team that that, that can competes with them super well i'm gonna throw out a weird one that i don't even know if i fully buy myself but like 
should should we be putting the Cleveland Cavaliers in this discussion? Because, like, my biggest thing early in the season, like I said, was, you know, they don't really play defense. Well, that's just a lie now. They're, like, the second-rated defensive team in the entirety of the NBA, and they have, like, a top six offensive player in the league in Donovan Mitchell, and they're kind of making up for his defensive inefficiencies with team defense. And it's like, if if we think that the Celtics are trail guardists, if we say, all right, Embiid's probably not going to be back by the playoffs, if we say that, like, the Knicks, Thibs is is only getting going to get him so far, like, who is, who's coming out of the East here? Like, I, I get Milwaukee has a bunch of talent, but I mean, that, even from the outside, that seems like a total mess right now. And, like, would it shock you if if they end up just even being in the NBA Finals? Like, I, I feel like, to me, right now, they, they have to be one of the favorites in the East. And, and I'd pick them in a seven-game series against Milwaukee, and I'd maybe pick them in a seven-game series against Boston. Like, I, I feel like they're a, a really solid team. But maybe I overvalue Donovan Mitchell. That, that I mean, look, it's a hot take, case. but it's, I mean, it's not, you're right. Like, it's not that far off from being, he's I mean, like they one are one of the, the best playoff scorers of this generation. Yeah, too. Like absolutely. He's going to hit a different level. And, and they're, I mean, they are the second seed at post-All-Star break. Like, they are not. Like they're they're just as as in this conversation as anybody else should be. I I think yeah I think you're right. I think it's kind of it was kind of shaky because there's been throughout the season because earlier the season right no defensive efficiency, uh lots of injuries. Darius Garland was out for a long time. He's back now. Uh, but I think I don't know. I I think they you're right. I think they kind of like just kind of quietly glued it together after everybody else wrote them off and then combine that with being. Cleveland, where they're not really getting a lot of attention media-wise, maybe they do have a, a, you know, maybe we look back on this episode in, you know, in June as Donovan Mitchell's lifting up his trophy and and Eric looks like a genius. But, I mean, like, it's really not, like, I've heard a lot of bad takes come out of you, and that is not one of them. So, for whatever that's worth, that's that's what I think about that. Yeah, solid. Um, I'm surprised you flipped on Donovan Mitchell or on the Cavs so much. Because uh, last year you told me I was crazy, and I guess I was. But they lost me their job, but they done something in a different team, right? So, well, they did play defense last year. They they play defense now, yeah. so like that that's a big difference maker. I I, I want to press you both on this. Both of you seem unreally. That's not a word, but it is unreal how low you both are on the Boston Celtics. Like I I understand that they've had some playoff failures, but. From top to bottom, they they have the best like nine in the NBA. Like right? Like Jason Tatum's still a beast. Jalen Brown's playing really well. Christoph Porzingis has to stay healthy, but he has thus far. And if he continues to stay healthy, he's gonna be a massive difference maker in the playoffs. Derek White still does cool shit from night to night. Like they they have a lot of really talented pieces. And I get you can say they choke in the playoffs, they spent the other thing, blah, 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 blah. Like, I'm going to sound dumb for saying this, but, like, the Miami Heat are not going to do what they've done the past two years again. Like, that is not going to happen. Like, I, I, and if it does, I will 
just like I guess if we have to admit that Jimmy Butler is like the best basketball player of all time. But you know, why why are you so low on Boston? Like I feel like they've answered all these questions in the regular season. They overall like they do have the best record in the NBA, and it's not particularly literally close. Like they have five more wins than the Timberwolves. Like what? What makes you so hesitant? I was surprised by both of you when you expressed major, maybe not major, but it, it feels like neither of you would be shocked if they lose in like the second round. And I just, I, I don't see a world where, where that happens unless they run into crazy hot Donovan Mitchell. Like I, I think Boston is a really solid team and I'd expect them to be in the Eastern Conference Finals at the very least. Yeah, I think. Go ahead, Ian. Go ahead. I just think that, like, for me, it's just because the playoffs have not been kind to them. I've seen them choke against the Heat and against the Warriors in the finals. I just, at a certain point, it gets to like, I'm going to believe it when I see it. Um, they have a great roster. You know, I like the moves that they made in the offseason. I just, it, it's weird for me. Like, I think you're right, Eric. They probably will be in the Eastern Conference Finals at a minimum. Um, and I think part of that is a virtue of, like, I just think the East is a pretty weak conference overall. Um, there's not a ton of teams that I believe in that, that I can really see, like, hey, this team is going to go all the way. Like, Boston is there for a lot of people. I understand that. Milwaukee, you know, has their own issues with Doc Rivers right now. But, you know, the roster is still very good. I don't think there's any rock them. Um, I really like the moves that the Knicks made. Um, again, though, like, I think there's reasons for healthy skepticism for all these teams. Um, I guess that's true in the West as well. It, it, it's just a weird season. Um, back to your point about Boston, I just, I, I need to see them really take control of the finals and, and and look like they have been there before and, and have Tatum, you know, take that next step, level up a little bit in the playoffs and really prove his status as one of the best players in the league because, um, you know, I watched him and Jalen Brown against the Warriors in the finals just completely crap their pants um, when the Warriors are sending doubles and forcing them left and playing with intensity on defense. They just look completely shell-shocked. And uh, their late-game offense, when they just kind of chuck threes sometimes, worries me. Uh, they've really committed to that idea, and it's just they get them into trouble in close games when they're missing their shots. So, um, good team. I just can't quite get all the way there. I think the answers to the questions about the Boston Celtics lie in the 2010 crime thriller The Town, starring Ben Affleck. It was reported first last year that Joe Mazzulla, head coach of the Celtics, watches that movie four times a week uh, with his players. Four times a week they're watching Ben Affleck's The Town, which is a gritty, very Bostonian crime drama thriller situation. Decent movie. Is that the one with the pedophiles? I don't remember if it's got the pedophiles, but it could have the pedophiles. Oh. I'll, I'll look up. I'll see if the pedophiles exist in this movie. But I think, I don't know. I think, I think something as psychotic as watching that movie four times a week is either going to be the key to greatness for the Celtics, if Joe Mazzullo can get them there, or a symptom of 
the downfall and the dysfunction that that could bring. This is obviously not a serious take. I, I think the I think the Celtics have a very, very, very good shot this year. I think the narrative is is right now very against them, which I think has kind of influenced my um my perception of the Celtics. I I was certainly one of the people on Twitter making fun of Jalen Brown for his awful dunk contest performance. Um, and so I think I think it might just be like a cultural uh backlash to the Celtics more than anything to do with actual basketball, because as we know. Most NBA fans, especially the ones online, do not watch basketball. So you never know. You never know what could happen. Maybe they'll bring glory to Boston once again. Maybe the Oklahoma City Thunder will be champions. I love that we really have no idea because there was a stretch there of about five years where it was a foregone conclusion who was going to be in the finals, and it came down to who was going to win it. So I am just so excited for this level of competition in the league right now. I cannot overstate that. Part of that's because LeBron progressed. Um, okay. Uh, now, I want to keep going through the East with a storyline that you have on the dock, Audrey. Um, <laughs> the last team I wanted to talk about in the East was the Bucks because they do have arguably the greatest player on the planet. And Damian Lillard. So are they going to put it together come the playoffs or did they just like doom themselves by hiring Doc Rivers, a guy who famously loves to lose in like the second round of the playoffs in a heartbreaking series in seven games like that? That feels that feels uh, like where we might be heading right now, I guess. Doc Rivers never before has the year 2008 been so fortunate for somebody while everybody else was having like the worst year ever doc rivers was winning the one title that would carry his coaching career that would land him so many jobs he doesn't deserve and keep him in so many jobs he did not deserve to keep only for the league to finally realize that he's not a good coach at basketball and relegate him to trying to learn how to be an nba commentator with his terrible voice on espn only for the bucks to have some sort of like rose tinted nostalgia glasses and decide to sign up for the Doc Rivers experience. I was not really a fan of when they fired Budenholzer. That felt like a huge question mark to me. He took them to the finals and won them a title. Um, but then, and then replacing him with Adrian Griffin, I thought he looked pretty good. They had him at like a 30 and 13 record or something. And then inexplicably, uh, cut him the team seems to be like weirdly celebrating that like they were all very ha- as if he was like this huge piece of shit behind the scenes uh but then now in recent weeks you've got Giannis putting out quotes like i don't know man this is like my fourth coach in two years like it's really hard for me like didn't you ask for this you're the you're the star player on this team that was doing well so i have a hard time unless there's something we don't know about behind the scenes with adrian griffin specifically i can't imagine that he wasn't extremely involved in that decision. And so that kind of weird short-term decision-making combined with the seeming chemistry issues, but with a roster full of very big personalities, it's such a powder keg in Milwaukee. And I think it might blow up in the first round or something like it's really not looking good for them. I are, I don't know where I heard this, but I heard this on a podcast I listened to. I don't know if you guys heard the same report. But, like, apparently when they hired him, he asked them, like, why are you doing this? Like, 
this like it it really does does make no sense. Although, shout out Pat Bev, Doc Rivers did save JJ Reddick's career. So let's just all let's. That's all a fraudulent take. That. JJ Reddick is a phenomenal bat or was a phenomenal <laughs> basketball player during his career, and Doc Rivers didn't save shit. Period. Well, it's funny. I saw um, I saw that same thing, Eric, and I saw somebody reply and was like, "Doc Rivers is talking like he's already lost in the first round. Like, like he all the the quotes and and memes and sayings that have come out of him since they hired him. It's like he he's speaking like he didn't want to be there. Like they blackmailed him and like threatened his family. It's like if you don't come coach the Milwaukee Bucks right now, bad things are gonna happen to you." Um, so, and he had a job. He was on yeah. ESPN every night. And he was fine. He was he was fine as an analyst. His voice is annoying, but at least he wasn't like he was getting a lot better. The, yeah. the early season it was so bad. He was like, uh yeah, so like when that like he would like interrupt a conversation, but then not really have anything like say. <laughs> and the, but like now he like he 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 was getting good towards it. And yeah. then they were like, No, 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 you gotta leave to go coach the Milwaukee Bucks for some reason. Yeah, it, it's like that meme where they wake the guy up out of his bed and he's like freaking out. You've seen that clip. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. Doc Rivers, get up and go coach right now. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come come ruin another contender. We need a scapegoat. Come here. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't know. Will they figure it out? Maybe. Probably not. Um, lots of weird vibes right now. Let's head to the Western Conference. And talk about the Timberwolves really quick. Uh, Audrey, I believe you had... Uh, I'll let you lead our uh, our conversation on this. I mean, I feel like good way to wrap this up. I, I like touching on just the, the most interesting team. So look, I'll just give you guys a heads up. I think we should talk about the Timberwolves. I think we should talk about the Clippers. And I think maybe we talk about a random team I pick, which is going to be the Sacramento Kings, because... I don't know shit about the Sacramento Kings. So uh, it's, it's it's time to like figure out uh, all those teams. But let's start with the Timberwolves, Audrey. Like you said, 40 and 12, really good season. But uh, questions range playoff-wise, never a good idea. I'll just say this. Never a good idea to go into the playoffs with Rudy Gobert on your roster. Just never really a good idea. Historically, very bad when the playoffs come. Historically, very bad when teams can adjust to him and make him defend on the perimeter. Historically, just very bad in general. So I'm a little worried about that. It They do feel kind of like the Utah Jazz of, uh, of, of, of a few years ago. Well, with I, peace and love in my heart, the Utah Jazz never had players as good as Anthony Edwards and Cat on the roster. I at the mean, same time. Donovan Mitchell and Anthony Edwards are comparable players. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But like, but there wasn't a third piece. There wasn't a, also. Mike a Conley was on those teams. Yeah, but like. Boyan well, yeah, Bogdanovich was on those teams. And those Mike were Conley great is rosters. Also on the Timberwolves. <laughs> yeah yeah that's a good point actually but yeah like uh like i don't know i don't know if that stacks up as well i mean cat is a for as yeah cat cat is a generational talent like he's he's a extremely good basketball player and is getting better and anthony edwards has nights where he looks like michael jordan like it's it's kind of insane um I don't know. Well, first of all, free Timberwolves Brazil, free my boys. They got locked up for no good. I missed I missed their insane borderline questionable posts on Twitter. But um 
No, I mean, the, the Timberwolves are, are good. They're, like, really good. I was talking shit through the whole season about them being at the top. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. It'll blow up. I don't, I mean, I had this, I grew up in the same era of jazz basketball as you did. Like, Rudy Gobert will find a way to be the, cent, the weakest link on this team. But he's even been doing better. His defense is getting a little better. He's actually, like, not, uh, he, he's, like, an 80% liability on offense now instead of a 100%, which is a very big improvement for him. So I think like I don't know. I think this I think they could glue it together. Like I'm I mean, as it stands right now, if it all shakes out, they face the Suns in the first round. I think the Suns are a very good basketball team and I think they would give them a run for their money. But I'm not I, even as a Suns fan, I'm not confident in saying that we'd win that seven game series. Like I, I don't know. Like I really, really do think the Timberwolves got something special here. And the culture is around it. I mean, the fan base is super excited. Like they've got their fans re-engaged in one of those. One of those markets that the Bucks are also in where it's really difficult, where no matter how good your team is, it's still a football town and they don't really give a shit about it. But I think they're finally, it's all kind of coming together in Minnesota. It feels feels like it's, I mean, I'm a sucker for a good narrative, so maybe it's just that, but it's it's really feels like it's gluing itself together right now. It, it's going to be really interesting when we get to the playoffs because you look at the top of the West right now, it's like Minnesota and OKC. And then you look in the play-in tournament and you have these three veteran teams with like big upside and guys with one championships, like the Suns led by KD, Lakers led by LeBron, Warriors led by Steph. Most likely, one of those teams will play Minnesota in the first round, and the media around those that series is going to be so interesting because I would imagine that a lot of people are going to pick the underdog. If it's the Lakers, it will be the foregone conclusion. By like, as far as ESPN is yes. concerned, the Lakers are going to win in four if that happens, which uh -huh. is like not the case. I totally agree. I think. I think if that's if that's the case and they get matched up against one of those squads, it's you're right. It's good. Like the take take the take the sports betting on that one for all, for anyone out there. Like because there's gonna be a lot a lot a lot of Stephen A. Smith style hype around teams like the Lakers and the Suns that might not really stack up against like the next wave, which is these two top teams right now. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Uh, that that's the way the conference looks right now. Uh, Minnesota's going to get disrespected when it comes to the playoffs, and they're still going to have to prove it. You know, like I was talking about earlier, like they haven't, I mean, they were in the playoffs last year, but didn't get out of the first round in five games. Um, this is a franchise that's been terrible forever. Um, and no matter how good the current team is, they still have to break through that window and say, hey, this is a new era. This is a good team. We can do it. Um, there's still going to be a level of skepticism that's floating around this franchise uh, until they think that they don't deserve that. Eric is muted. That is fair. Yeah, there we go. I know. <laughs> that, 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 is, uh, that is fair. I think but, but Timberwolves are a really interesting team to watch. I do just enjoy Anthony Edwards as a player. Very, very fun. Probably one of my favorite guys to watch. Okay, one uh, last team I want to talk about here, and then uh, we can kind of we can kind of head out. The Clippers. We've brought them up. Um, I will say why I don't think they're really like a, a playoff threat. Uh, his name is James Harden. Like, there's like a very realistic possibility. They get to April and he just gives up and like they they like they don't put it all together. Like I get Ty Lue's a great coach and they do have a lot of talent and they're playing really well, but like James Harden has quit on like every team he's been a part of for like.
the last five years. Like, that's coming at some point. Like, he is just a bad teammate slash maybe a bad guy. Like, let's, let's like, let's like just be real here for a sec. Yeah, we're and pontificating it, about him as a person. That's what we're doing today. And, and, and that's say, reasonable. Like, and say, like, he might just quit on the Clippers and, and give up on all his teammates. Like, that is a very real possibility. It I is. I don't think that's bloviating. I, I feel like that is a legitimate thing that could happen. Because think... he literally has said twice this year in press conferences that he's just doing this to get a bag. Like, that, like what, like... I I I don't I I would not want to go into the playoffs with him as a teammate personally. I don't blame you. I will say I think that is not as big of a factor in this specific circumstance because it's gone so well for the season. I think they it's a lot more stable of a situation. And also, if you're talking about him in, in selfish motivations, which it absolutely is, he is in LA, he's back home, he's where he wants to be, like geographically. And with Houston, when he felt like he had a good situation, he stuck around for a while. And I think this might be that situation. I mean, I'm not in the business of defending James Harden, but like, I think the thing, the number one thing that could take I, this, every team in the league, it comes down to injuries. It comes down to health, right? We could talk about all this stuff, but if, you know, if Giannis tears his ACL tomorrow, God forbid, it all changes. Like, every, and that goes for every team. And so I think, the Clippers' biggest liability is that that is the great the greatest risk for injuries is to the Clippers of all teams. I think they have the highest likelihood, if besides it, up there with maybe the Suns, of having like one critical injury that could fuck the whole thing up, and having a lot of very injury prone older stars who are going to need to play a lot of minutes is going to factor into that greatly. So I think that's more of a risk than like a James Harden attitude problem with this specific team. I think it's more about can they stay healthy? Can Paul George stay on the court? Can Kawhi stay on the court? Like that's that's more of a concern to me. Kawhi has been playing unreal basketball. I've watched a few Kawhi games lately. Literally, like this is like Toronto Kawhi, like very much like might just drag his team there. So I I uh, I could see that. Yeah, and, and right. he's been playing all season too. Like he hasn't been hurt. Yeah. All right, tell me about the Sacramento Kings because they're a team that, like, I always want to get more into, but the games are at 8 p.m., and, like, I just – I don't throw them on. And uh, I'm just uh, curious, like, how's De'Aaron Fox doing? Like, are they, are they going to make some noise, or are they just kind of an afterthought here? I think it's kind of fitting that you're sleeping during their games. I think you might be sleeping on them a bit. I think they're pretty good. I don't know. Ethan, do you have – I feel like as a Warriors fan, you're more in yeah. tune to the machinations of Sacramento. I think, to me, this is essentially the same team as last season. Um, they haven't really made any huge moves to shake this up. The core is still there. Um, didn't really do anything at the trade deadline. So so this is basically the games of last year with a little bit more playoff experience. Um, they ran into the Warriors in the first round last season, and, and Steph Curry did Steph Curry things and knocked them out. Um, but if they get a more favorable matchup for them, you know, now that they have the playoff experience, um, currently they're the seventh seed, but Essentially, that's tied for the five seats, so they can move up very easily. Um, I really like the Aaron Fox. I think he's the best player on the team. Um, he's been killing it. You know, he's amazing in the clutch. He can score at all three levels. Um, competitive defender. <laughs> I, I really do like the Aaron Fox as the lead guy for that team. 
Sabonis, different story. Um, I still think he's good. I just don't really trust him in the playoffs. He kind of got owned by Kevon Looney last season. Um, got outplayed by, you know, a guy making seven million this season. And he's now a backup center. So, um, we'll have to see Sabonis kind of step up and, and earn some more dog points. Yeah, I agree. He did get worked a little bit, but also he is a very good player and they did take a very good Warriors team to a lot of games. But um, yeah, and, and I mean, in like in guys like Keegan Murray, who's in his second year, who's been phenomenal. I think they I think it's just going to be a bunch of a bunch of scrappy guys for the Kings. But I don't know. I, I don't know if they can pull it through. I think may, hopefully the um, the the feeling of disrespect about De'Aaron Fox not really being a part of All Star Weekend uh, will hopefully light a fire there. I mean that's kind of their been their story, the chip on the shoulder. I mean last year with the best regular season record in the league, right, or like at least in the West, and hopefully they can uh, they can use that as kind of fuel to to quiet down the haters and and kind of establish themselves as like a, a true legacy playoff team. Because I feel like for the majority of fans, especially casual fans, they hear the Kings and they still think that they're in like the twelfth seed. They still think they're bad. They don't even know. So, like, I, I think they have a lot to prove. Um, I think they, they have proven more than, than people like to give them, but they, they got to keep doing it because it's just until until it it shows itself in, in a really deep playoff run or the finals, it's, it's not enough. All right, this has hit the perfect amount of podcasting time that I shoot for. We're at about an hour 15 right now. We did have something about the All-Star game. I'll just speak for all of us here. The All-Star game is bad. Uh, like really bad. Like I, I fraudulent was... ass dunk contest. Fraud. Jalen Brown paid all those judges. Fraud. 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 Like I don't the understand. Best part was like Steph versus Sabrina. That was for real. That was so much fun. The three point contest really in general, like both the regular one and the Steph versus Sabrina, was awesome. Yeah. If Caitlin Clark goes to the WNBA next year, I want to see. Yeah. Like a, I want to see a duo team. I want to see no. Steph and Sabrina versus like Clay no, and and Caitlin. Play, yeah. Yeah. Well, like, because it's in the Bay Area next year. The game is in San Francisco. Yes. So exactly. That's in play perfect. versus Sabrina and Caitlin. Yeah. Or yeah, 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 yeah. Some some pairing of those four. I would love that. That yep. would be so sick. Shout out to Caitlin Clark, by the way, for bringing so many eyes to to women's basketball in college. And I feel like I'm seeing so much more like some like other women's basketball content now because of the attention that she's gotten for the sport. So. Shout out to her. Shout out to all the great women athletes out there. I think the the WNBA and women's college basketball in general are in for a big year. I think this is going to be the, the most anyone's ever paid attention to a women's March Madness tournament. And I think that's just going to ripple itself into the WNBA if Caitlin Clark keeps being that player. But that's a different conversation for a different day. Eric, I agree. The All-Star game sucks ass. Um, All-Star weekend sucks. The skills competition was kind of interesting, but not really. The LED floor was kind of the biggest gimmick, and that was kind of hard to look at for a lot of parts. Um, I think the three-point contest continues to be way better than the dunk contest, which it has been for like the past, you know, however many years now. Dunk comp's a complete joke. Um, and then the actual game itself, there is nothing you're going to be able to do to convince these guys to really try hard to win these games. So it's just about what they can do to make it entertaining. I personally enjoyed the the format they had switched to of like the point goals and and that kind of stuff. But I think they clearly made the determination that that was too much for a casual fan to understand or care about and they scrapped it which is a bummer because i liked the target yeah. score i think that was it made them at least subconsciously try harder because there was a goal versus just kind of like going out there and hanging out it was just uh, weird this year they they threw it back to east versus west and went back to the old formats and like all oh, that's fine but 
I agree with you. They should have kept the Elam ending because that makes sense. Yeah, like you can do East versus West. That's fine, but yeah. still keep the scoring format, in my opinion. Yeah, like, because totally. that would like help. Because casual fans will understand. Okay, East versus West, you can grapple that quickly, and then you only have to explain the point totals versus like, well, there's team captains based on who voted, and they drafted these teams to here. Like, I get it. Like, do East versus, especially since the East, the East isn't as sorry as it used to be. But like, I don't know. You got to do something. My God, it was so terrible. I will say. I thought it was cool they scored 200 points. I mean, that that is that is pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty sad. That, I thought it was cool they scored 200 points, but it also taught me that if you don't guard NBA players, they're going to shoot 56% from the floor, which is pretty crazy uh, to think that one of two basketball shots you take will go in if you are an unguarded NBA player. So my big my big takeaway, guys, was that you should probably guard NBA players. Because if you don't, like, they're going to score. Interesting. Uh, Interesting thought you've produced here. I like it. Yep. Yep. Thank you. Really, real hot take. All right. Things to watch down the stretch as we get to March Madness and uh, the stretch run, which, when does the stretch run start, Audrey? You tell me. I think we're in it right now. I think post-All-Star break is kind of the stretch. I think that's the, uh, especially with how tight the West is, I think it's now, like, like yeah. they're all playing for their lives right now. You like go watch some basketball this afternoon. They're all like all the ones that are contenders. They're they're fighting for it. Not not like, the Jazz game you're gonna go to, but every every other game. Yeah. Like football season's over now, so we got more eyes on the league. Yeah. You know? I will say here's my final take of the day. I was right in November when I said this. I was on a podcast with you guys. Like we know who the playoff games are by Thanksgiving, like who the playoff teams are by Thanksgiving. To me, that's kind of boring. I mean, I get, okay, I get it. Like, you guys are going to watch because you want to see who's who's informed for the playoffs. But, like, let's not kid ourselves. Like, we know who the playoff teams are. We know who the play-in teams are. Sure, the Brooklyn Nets might make it. Okay, that's one intriguing team. The West is set. It is February. There is no need for 82 games of this shit. Like, Shorten the season. God damn it, please. Like, I don't know about all that. I mean, like, they can still shuffle around within their respective areas and like the home right, court advantage no, and all that kind no, of stuff. There's no chase. The Jazz, the Jazz, the Rockets, the Grizzlies, the Trailblazers, the San Antonio Spurs, the Raptors, the Hornets, the Washington Wizards, and the Detroit Pistons will all not make the playoffs. Everyone else will pretty much make the playoffs. One team will get left out. Well, it's about what they can do in the playoffs then. I yeah, right, exactly, thing, which is thing, why we should shorten the regular season. Oh. I think the Houston Rockets can make a run. Okay, that actually might that actually might be, like, real as hell. They're looking so good. Shingun's my guy. Shout out to the and nation of Thompson, Turkey. Thompson, bro. He's so yeah. Good. No, I know a lot of people from Turkey listen to this pod, so shout out to Turkey. Y'all, y'all got some good basketball players. Shout out Turkey. And hair plugs. Good hair plugs. Shout out good uh, hair transplants in Turkey. Shout out estrogen, so I don't need hair transplants. All right. Time? Time. Time. So, folks, any any final thoughts? Uh, folks, nope, that's it for me. Thanks so much for the pot, Eric, for dragging us out of our respective uh, distractions on a Sunday. This has been wonderful talking ball with you. And have fun at the game, y'all. They let me know how it goes. Oh, yeah. I'll I'll be I'll probably be watching, or at least I don't know. I have a lot of I watch a lot of esports now. So I got a lot of esports to watch and a lot of basketball to watch. So I got a lot going on, but we'll see. Alright. Till next time. Bye. We'll see you all.